When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, parents, it is good to have you with us once again for the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, Always great to have you. And if this is your first time listening with us today, uh, we hope that if you enjoy the show, you'll head over to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and subscribe. There are several different ways that you can do that. And we would love to have you be a part of our regular audience. Uh, Also, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, you might want to head over to Facebook and do a search for Wonder of Parenting and join our Facebook page. And uh, uh, we have things on that page that uh, we can't necessarily get to during the podcast and would love to have you be a part of that. As always, Michael Gurian is with me. Michael, welcome to your show, Wonder of Parenting. Uh, Our show. Well, thank you. Thanks, Tim. And uh, and you just you told me that uh, today you were snow, uh, shoveling snow and playing tennis. Yeah, I'm up in Spokane, Washington, and we've had a an El Nino this year until February. So El Nino means we don't really get much snow. But February this year, all the temps went down, gobs of snow, many feet of snow. So every day is shoveling. So by the time people get to listen to this, it'll probably be April and the sun is out and uh, things have thawed. But right now it's a little cold and, and chilly. And, and um, you know, Michael, you're not a young man anymore, so you've got to watch that, uh, you know, doing two activities in one day. Yeah, right. <laughs> and podcasting, can you right. believe it? And with a guest. <laughs> with a guest. And that segs us perfectly into our guest for today. We're so excited uh, to have Dr. Lori Badino with us today. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, Lori actually connected with us very early on when we were first starting The Wonder of Parenting, and she's doing some really, really interesting work with uh, boys and with girls and uh, that, that really fits in well with some of the things that we're talking about. And so we're going to talk today about movement. We're going to talk about mindfulness and how this can be good for our children. And Lori, just to get us started, give us a little bit of your background, who you are, and how you got into the work that you're doing now. Sounds great. Well, thank you. I am a licensed clinical psychologist and a board-certified dance movement therapist in Los Angeles, and I practice throughout California, specializing with children um, and parents. So the idea that our challenges, our disease, disorders, even uh, experiences happen in the body. So what better way than to look at the whole child by understanding the body, the mind, um, and working collaboratively with parents as well as providing support. I have a program through the Andrea Rizzo Foundation where I provide bedside therapy to children with cancer and special needs at pediatric hospitals. And just a big advocate for really looking at how education, how working with children has everything to do with understanding the whole body and how how we move. That's a little about me. I'm also a mom. I have two children of my own. <laughs> and, and and tell us about your kids, a son, a daughter? Or yes, a son? I have a, a boy, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old daughter. Wow. Well, that that sounds like such important work that you're doing. Thank you. And, and we're really, really excited to, to chat with you today uh, about the connection uh, between yeah. the body and the mind. And of course, Michael, for you, uh, movement, particularly for our boys, is so very important, isn't it? 
Yeah, movement for everyone, of course, important for for boys. Uh, now, and we're thinking of educational settings for boys. Sometimes there, it's a uh, whether they succeed or not will have to do with whether strategies like movement are used in the educational setting. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Lori, give us a little bit. Uh, we were talking just before the the program. Uh, you were talking about how this is is rooted in dance. So, so give us some of the evolution of uh, of what we're talking about together today. Yeah. So, dance movement therapy is a modality that's been around for over fifty years. I did not invent it, but I'm a big advocate for it, and it's part of my studies. And it's basically looking at how dance is more than ballet, jazz, tap. While those are incredible exercise for the body and flexibility and releasing endorphins and serotonin that makes you feel good, the idea is that dance is um, how we move. So, looking at posture, body language how we interact and exchange and communication. We look at it as like a dance. So this is a, is a modality, it's a psychotherapy. The definition of dance movement therapy is the therapeutic use of movement to support the social, cognitive, and psychological needs of an individual. And so everything I do as a psychologist, I'm looking at the body as a, as a, a lens to understand kind of what's happening for the child in relation to their own body, in relation to how they're interacting with other people and their environments. And um, there's a lot of different, there's a many full range of, uh, of strategies and, and activities you do with children, but it really just starts with even having the ability to be attuned to your own body language and another and the child's. Now, uh, we're going to go deeper into this uh, and more practically for parents in a moment, but you also then bring in mindfulness, which in some ways seems to be the opposite of body movement. Mindfulness is sort of calming down. So uh, give us kind of what your understanding of mindfulness is and then how that works in partnership with body movement. Absolutely. I, I love that question because I actually think mindfulness is a, is a quite an active process. It's it, staying in a state of alert and calmness. But being mindful or aware of how your body is, you can be still in doing that and you can be moving and doing it and present in your everyday life. And we want to be able to accept that for children. I get weary sometimes when we're teaching in schools. It's, it's wonderful that mindfulness is becoming part of our curriculum. Well, we want to make sure that children are not being that it becomes another subject where they have to stay still and they're forcing themselves to do it but that we can be mindful and move and be very aware of how our movements, our interactions um, affect one another and how they're communicating our needs at, on a daily basis. So naturally our body has a beautiful way of recuperation. And so when the body is present with how it's moving, it finds a way to resolve and calm down naturally. And we don't actually have to um, then have to hold still so, so much. Um, it comes very natural. And then there's a time and place for that ease and relaxation and there's time to be active and moving. And we just want to make effective choices in those environments. So, Michael, before we, we get into uh, some of the details here with Lori, uh, what are some of the things that you've been learning about the, the power of mindfulness when it comes to boys and girls and their learning? Well, of course, echoing what uh, Lori is saying, uh, the I, I do think that that mindfulness has, for one, one of the reasons that it's getting implied, and we're thinking about it more in terms of boys is uh, and curricula, is impulse control. You know, mm. one of the things that we're that we're trying to teach boys, empathy, self-regulation, impulse control, especially at the younger ages, mindfulness can help. Having them uh, sit, be aware of their bodies, breathe, uh, you know, that's, so I think impulse control and self-regulation is 
is a, an important area. Um, and mindfulness as spiritual development too is important. And obviously this can be important for all kids. Uh, the spiritual spiritual life of the child and the, the, the sense that sometimes the best way that we praise God, those people who are faith-based, the best way we praise God is through silence. You know, that old, it's an old Jewish saying, but I think it could apply to, to anything. Uh, that that's an important part of spiritual development. And even if someone is not faith-based or talking about God, the, that being silent is so great for kids. It makes sure they're not on devices. Of course, it means that they're being silent without devices. It means they're going inward, touching the soul, the self. Uh, so there'd be a, those would be a couple things that I think make it very important. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, Lori, uh, you use an acrostic, you use the word aware. Uh, to kind of dig deeper into some of the things that you're talking about. So give us sort of an outline of what you mean by the word aware and what each of those letters stand for. Sure. Today, AWARE stands for ACCEPT. So this this um, acronym AWARE, I was thinking about how parents can understand and apply this at home, as well as teachers, educators, and even the medical professionals as we're interacting with children and and one another. Um, so accept is that I, I really like to advocate for kind of doing away with labels. And while it can be helpful to have diag- diagnosis in, in terms of our treatment, it also in, in, a, in common day, when we look at an action as purely just a movement. Um, so the example would be, I see you're moving with direct, quick, strong weight in your hands versus you're punching or you're being aggressive. When we put a label on children, we want to try to reverse that and say it's it's not physical. It's not it, 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 sorry. It, it is physical. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. So it, rather than putting an adult judgment on a child's actions of how their body's sitting, they're being lazy. They're being difficult. They're being defiant. Um, they're being uh, aggressive. If we look at it purely from a place of movement, we give an opportunity to label it just with the facts of what it looks like, and then that gives the child an awareness in their body. And then they're able to actively make a change and or stay where they are. And to me, um, that gives more opportunity to give appreciation to the child, um, to kind of lean in a little bit and understand where the child's coming from and um, creates a lot of opportunity for growth. So that's the start of accept. Um, uh, The next one is within. So the W for aware. Check in with your own needs. Oftentimes we want our children to be able to listen, sit still, be aware of their bodies. We also want to be mindful in our own bodies ourselves. Um, Really looking at how are our our bodies displaying to our children, our presence, our facial expressions. So this is really important how we're modeling this for our children. Okay. Should I keep going? Sure. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. Um, So the next is the A for action. So get ready to be creative and play. Um, Imagine if we treated each interaction like our best self, looking in the mirror, how we communicate, hold our bodies. So we really want to take that step of awareness, that step of being within ourselves, checking what we need and really showing that now and empowering ourselves to gain control and helping our children see that they can trust us. And, And it comes more than just words. 
Um, I know so many books out there, they really are trying to grasp the idea of empathy and it's, it's a wonderful gift to start working on and explore, but it really comes from that self-compassion. And one of those steps is really looking at how does our body take care of ourselves from health and nutrition, but also our facial expressions, our postures, how we, how we greet one another, how we show that respect. So action's a really big, important piece to this. Um, regulation is the R in aware. And I talk about how important the sensory world is. I know oftentimes when you have a child on the spectrum or who has sensory processing disorders, you learn a lot about sensory integration, but our neurotypical children and families don't always get to learn about our individual differences and we all have them. So by understanding our child's sensory world, what environment they learn best in, what's, you know, the reason why they're interacting. So helping them see that maybe the sounds in the room are affecting them or they need more input. And I can talk more about that as well. Yep. But regulation is a key point to understanding how to communicate with our children. So again, it becomes less personal, but we understand they're not being difficult just to be difficult, but there are a lot of ways we can support their regulation. I'm a big advocate for occupational therapy and collaborating with them. So that's a part of my work as well. And then last but not least is the E for edit. So the semantics come in. Every time we say no, we want to replace it with uh, a couple yeses. What can the child do? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Really look, unlocking the idea of saying may versus, you know, controlling them, really having those shared choices, like no matter what, we're going to have our bedtime routine, but, you know, you get to choose, you're going to brush your teeth or put your pajamas on first. So editing is a way to kind of do redos and retry with your children um, kind of really looking at how language is a critical part to this as well. So, and that comes in as well with timing of how we're communicating. Um, it comes into our tone of voice. So I'm really kind of looking at it from this bottom up approach of understanding all the different levels that are involved in every one of our interactions with our children. Now we're going to tease that out a little bit more. Yeah. Do you have a website that people can go to, to learn more about you? I do. I do. It's my name, drlauribadino.com, and it's just D-R and then Lori, L-O-R-I-B-A-U-D-I-N-O.com. All right. So let's take, uh, and you've probably got some examples in your head of uh, people that you've worked with or parents, but let's take a, a, a parent and uh, they're listening to this and they want to be aware uh, of the body language of their kids and, and all the things that you said. So give us a story or two uh, to help parents connect uh, the aware uh, acrostic with uh, what, what uh, they're experiencing as parents. Sure. Um, gosh, there's so many stories. I was, you know what, I'm going to just talk even personally with my own okay. children this morning. I think that that kind of feels safe. Um, so, so thinking about the, the acceptance that it's not, that it's just physical, it's not personal. When my children are getting up in the morning and they see that their dad and I are, you know, on our own pace, we're doing, we're kind of attending to our needs. They might start attending to their own needs. We might then take that personally and say, why aren't they getting ready? Why aren't they doing what they're supposed to be doing in the morning, doing the routine to get out the door? But if we just instead look at it as we're just going to kind of notice how they're moving, then we can connect to them and say, hey, I'm noticing you're sitting on the couch. Um, your your body is really um, you're kind of moving slowly. Um, you're looking at your book. We're kind of just acknowledging where they are. We're not saying... Why are you so lazy? What's wrong with you? Get up. We're supposed to be getting ready. 
then they get to realize, oh yeah, I am just sitting here. And then my son might get up and start to get ready. So. Does there come a point though for him where uh, if he continues to just sit there um, and you need him to move, you need him to do something, then then how do you respond to that? Once you've sort of said, hey, here's what I see, which is sort of hint, hint, we need you to do something else. Sure. Then when do you step in and say, uh, you know, we sort of have this deal together and you need to move? Yeah. So. Again, there's there like you're mentioning, there are a lot of variables to this, and um, I really try to not do like a cookie cut approach. Every situation is different because that's what we were talking about before. You look at like how does my child respond to their sensory world? What kind of in, in interaction do they need? Do they need a lot of st- stimulation to get revved up, or do they need a little bit? Um, but I really try to check my own self, and that's when you look at within and then the action. So how is my body? Am I ready for the day? Am I going to greet him and feel acceptance so he's ready to be a teammate with me? Or am I coming at him where I'm, you know, crunching my face up and I've got this overbearing demeanor and posture that's going to kind of feel less interested to engage with me? And I'm going to then join with him and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You're doing this. Now let's both start our movements. So instead of saying, don't sit here, stop doing this, I'm going to let him know what our plan is. So, hey, let's start to get our teeth brushed, let's go together. And I'm gonna start getting ready too. I'm gonna model and join him because we know even like social learning theory about how when we're working together, the stress is reduced and things are more connected and the process goes more smoothly. And so we can be on the same page, same team together versus against one another. And and then how do you work, uh, where does the role of um, mindfulness come in to this uh, form of parenting and educating our kids? Well, mindfulness is something that as a family, whether it's a few moments in the morning or at night or even in the car while you're doing mindful eating, just bringing that information to your children and having an opportunity to practice with them, bringing their awareness of like, what are you tasting or how many sounds, you know, simple game, even at Mm. the hospital with children. It's amazing how much when you're in pain. Um, the child will say, I'm just in pain. I only feel pain. And I, and I work with children with chronic pain and, and, um, and, and with cancer and, and really severe terminal illness. And in just bringing their attention to the other, and I, I'm really conscious of making sure it's not about distraction, but really empowering them to see you have these other senses that you can activate. So what if we just sit and listen to see if we can hear five different sounds in this room? Mm. And they'll be thinking, oh, but I don't, I only hear, I only feel, you know, I'm really aware of my feeling sense that's so charged to me. And I'll say, well, let's just try. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, I didn't notice there were all these different sounds in the room. Um, I, I wasn't aware of that or how many colors are in the room. So bringing those opportunities to children gives them more tools in their toolkit to pull from when they need them. And it just becomes a way of life. And children, I think just naturally, they they are, you know, they, they you're walking down the street with a two, three-year-old, and they're checking out every little flower they pass and every, you know, little bug they see. And, and we tend to be in a very rushed pace and we try to kind of get, get them to move along, but they're very present. Um, and we can actually kind of take their lead and really enjoy those opportunities. Um, I also use mindfulness, um, as like select practices for, for resting. I'm a big advocate for sleeping and naps. And I think it's less about telling your kid to go to sleep but it's more about how to get them there. And mindfulness is a wonderful way to help them tap into their body and feel that recuperation and, and get to be in a state of falling asleep. 
You are listening to the uh, the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, I'm Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Green. Our special guest today is Dr. Lori Badino. Lori, what's your website again? DrLoriBadino.com. And uh, we're talking a little bit about uh, how to help kids be aware of their bodies and what their bodies are saying, and, and uh, for us as parents uh, to learn how to read the signs and meditate uh, mindfulness. And I want to come back to that in a moment uh, because there was some really good insight into that. But Michael, uh, I want to bring you in. You've got a new resource for parents um, that we've been talking about the last uh, several podcasts, and give us some more information about that. Okay, yeah, that's the our... our um parent community, our online community, and it's if folks go to the wonderofparenting.com website, we'll see it down there. Just scroll down slightly, and there's a picture of me sort of teaching. Click that, and it'll take you to a page, uh, and it gives uh, six hours of video content that can be watched at parents' leisure, uh, and then uh, five more hours of interaction with me, uh, four in group, and then one uh, private. So uh, that's that. you can also access that on Green Institute and click the Parent Online course. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Now, this was fascinating to me, Lori, when you were talking about mindfulness, because I think a lot of us, and I'm probably guilty of this, thinking about mindfulness, it's thinking about taking five, ten minutes and just sitting quietly and focusing on breathing, which is good. Mm -hmm. But but what I think I uh, I heard you saying, it's more than just that. It's, It's giving our kids sometimes verbal cues to to pay attention to the moment itself um and and um i i was thinking michael particularly for boys um how this could be helpful because a lot of times what we want to do is what are you feeling and boys can't really articulate that well but we can get them in the moment by saying what do you see what do you hear um talk a little bit about that from a brain perspective yeah it's beautiful i mean i said laurie it's so great what you're saying and um and in a classroom this is something that, like at our at our Green Institute model schools, we're we're working with the teachers to to do this. Uh, it's good for every child, of course. We would agree, every child. For boys, it can be particularly important uh, because they can connect to their senses, and they don't necessarily have to report. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be verbal. Uh, they can just connect and take a few minutes to connect to their senses and to their body and how they're sitting in the chair or moving around the room. And um, I know you call it body knowledge, Laurie, and I think it is, uh, it's an incredibly valuable tool for all the reasons we've described, self-regulation, impulse control, depth of soul, depth of being. Um, If they are disconnected from body and self, they're disconnected from all those things. And I think one of the reasons that kids love athletics, those who love athletics, some some don't, but those who do, and perhaps one of the reasons that boys gravitate so much to throwing balls and running and, you know, being, that is, it's it's how they can be in their body. Um, So how neat that we can give them that in a classroom or at Mm -hmm. recess or or sitting somewhere uh, or moving somewhere, uh, the connection with the self, uh, with the body is connection, I think, with soul. So, Lori, go ahead, Lori. You have a comment. I, I have these great, uh, great examples that just came up, and uh, 
just uh, my son plays soccer. And the other day we were talking about being in the here and now and about, um, you know, thinking about and rather than thinking of outcome, like getting to the end of the game or, you know, what's going to happen next. And he said, oh, mom, when I'm when I'm playing soccer, that's all I'm I'm, I'm just playing soccer. I, I feel my feet. I feel the ball. I'm looking. And it was just amazing yeah. because there is this awareness that when you're actually in your body, like you're just saying about the sports, um, it, it really does relate. And when children in a classroom, when when if you're talking about boys moving and, and or girls or, um, you know, really thinking about that, that to be aware that they're making a choice in their body, their body's communicating information every moment. And that if we can bring acceptance to that and say, what, are, what is that communication? What are you telling us? Um, I oftentimes see that kids in classrooms that are talking a lot, it's actually because their body would like to be moving more. Hmm. And because they're told to sit still, it comes out with their mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, if we give them an opportunity to take that moment to really use weight in their bodies and sit, sit in different ways to move you know, muscles even in their seats, uh, moving their sits bones, moving their ankles, moving their fingers... Um, there's many ways to move without being disruptive. Um, they actually can get, they can be very aware and mindful of how they're interacting with people. So, Lori, we, we've got just a couple minutes left, sure. and um, let's let's uh, for parents who are listening to this, what are three or four takeaways that you would want to give to parents when it comes to uh, what you're talking about, mindfulness, body movement, and uh, how they can begin to uh, look for these things in their kids or apply this to their parenting? Absolutely. I think it it starts with us, right? Um, It's not that we're looking at the parents, myself included, to blame us, but, but to give us an opportunity that here we are and we have a chance to really model in our own bodies. So just you know, every once in a while, giving yourself to permission to check in, see how your own body posture, facial expressions, um, how, how your stance is with your child or how you're greeting one another, your teacher as well, how you're entering the classroom, how you're greeting your students. It really makes a world of difference. And, you know, we're not always going to do it perfectly. So we just kind of readjust and we check in <laughs> and, and we, we try, we do redos, we try again. Um, you know, so I'd start there and then just, you know, play with the idea of, looking at those labels, taking away those labels and really looking at it as this is just movement. My child's just moving slowly or fast, or they're just moving, you know, direct from one point to another, or they're kind of chaotic and throwing things around. If we could take the judgment away, it makes for a lot more opportunities for growth and connection. And then we can support the learning and the communication about, hey, that's not really working right now. So let's readjust and and find a space for that. Um, so I would kind of start with that. Um, I always would advocate for, for looking at opportunities to move with your child. And it doesn't have to be right or wrong. But when you find an opportunity to just join your child and move like they are, um, meaning like sit with them, follow their lead a little bit, take turns with that, um, everything they're communicating. I, I see parents daily and they're saying, oh, my child doesn't talk. You know, they're not sharing emotions. They're not telling us what's going on. And I, you know, my response is that they actually are, they're telling a lot in their bodies. So we just, we get to open our eyes to a new lens of looking at this. And again, your website for those who want to go deeper with this topic is what? My website's drlaurybadino.com. And spell it out for us one more time. Sure, of course. So it's D-R and then Lori, L-O-R-I, 
Ladino is B as in boy, A-U-D as in dog, I-N-O dot com. And I have wonderful programs in there, support programs for parents and, and resources and uh, a blog that I write about different stories of how this mind and body work looks like in, in relationship to working with children. I, you know, a couple takeaways that I have from you today, Lori, I'm, I'm fascinated by the mindfulness thing of, of uh, I'm a grandpa now, so it'd be hard for me to say this to my 36 and 40 year old kids, you know, let's get in the moment, but I can do it with my grandkids yeah. and, and just be able as we're hanging out, um, you know, what sounds do you hear right now? Tell me how many sounds, uh, give me three sounds you hear. Uh, or, and you could you could just start saying like oh I heard that yeah you don't even have to ask them and then all of a sudden they're there with you right there. yes well that's great too yes to help <laughs> right. them get in the moment yeah. or or what are you tasting you know what what sure. different tastes are there uh, what do you see um, you know and, and sometimes it can be as easy when we're driving in the car we'll play the game uh, I see with my little I eyes spy. yep, yep mm-hmm. I spy and uh, I'm not very good at it I always tell them I spy <laughs> grandpa's driving the car and uh, oh no that's not how it works but uh, and then um, uh, and I love this idea of being aware of my own body movements and positions when I'm with uh, say my grandkids or parents with their kids and and uh, is my body language uh, suggesting openness is it suggesting defensiveness so those are some of the things that you're trying to get at I think yeah absolutely and it's again not as a judgment just a place to check in it's a right. starting place because we tend to go a lot with talking and and ideas and concepts and and it can be kind of just simplified of this playfulness of just just being aware of what we're presenting to one another I know I have to practice it all the time as well. <laughs> well, Lori, we really, really appreciate uh, you being with us today. And uh, one more time, your website. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's my name, DrLoriBadino.com. And uh, for those of you who are interested in the resources that we provide through the Wonder of Parenting, our website is wonderofparenting.com. And uh, there's information there about uh, Michael's new coaching program for parents, which we want to highly recommend to you, and uh, some of our rites of passage programs and other resources, books that we've written. So we encourage you to head there as well uh, to just go deeper into these topics and uh, enjoy the Wonder of Parenting. Michael, uh, any last words from you? Well, first of all, thank you, Lori. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank Great you. to have you. And uh, one, I, one of the things I loved about what you said is this: the importance of of folks not judging too much uh, certain behaviors. And and uh, we like an example that that comes to me is in our research in preschool environments, where where when we train those those folks, we're always saying now, don't judge the kid who's moving around while he listens in circle time, because actually. As he moves around, as he's in his body, he's going to hear the, the story better and he's going to retain more of the story. He's just built Absolutely. to listen while moving. So I, I, I just I just love that you that you were echoing that or, or I'm echoing you. And yeah, I, I really appreciate you and your work. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Anytime. I appreciate it, too. Lori, we, we've been honored to have you with us. What you're doing is so important. And um, we just in, encourage our listeners to head on over to our website and to check out the good work that she's doing there. We want to thank you for listening and uh, hope that you will tell your friends about the Wonder of Parenting podcast. And we look forward to chatting with you again uh, on our next episode. Thanks, everyone.